Today, if you would open up your scriptures to Romans 12. We're going to park there today as we uh, dive in the Word of God this morning. Today, I want to talk about the answer to our present crisis. There are times where uh, no matter what's going on, I believe God's called us to kind of just move forward and stick on course and preach the messages that God has given us ahead of time to preach. And then there are seasons where I believe God wants the church uh, to rise in the prophetic voice, in other words, and declare His Word for right now at this very moment. And I believe that today is, is such a time. Now, if you watch the news this week, then you notice that this week marks another terrible dark moment in America as there was another shooting that highlights, yet again, the racial tension that exists in our nation. A young, a young black male by the name of Philando Castile from Minnesota appeared to have been senselessly shot by a white officer. And the outrage of that shooting prompted uh, many, many within our communities to, to be concerned yet again. This prompted a protest in the city of Dallas. And as you know, if you've been watching the news, as that protest took place in Dallas, there, were, there was a, a sniper uh, who went to shooting uh, select officers. There were five officers that were killed as well. Brent Thompson was one of those officers who was just recently married two weeks ago. Another one was Patrick Samaripa, who served in Iraq three times. Another one was Michael Kroll, who was living out his dream, dreams as an officer. Lorne Ahrens was a longtime officer of 20 years, and Michael Smith was one that was considered a very private and family man. It concerns me to see that these things are happening. Obviously, I think of the global threat that we're facing as Americans, and I consider the crisis that there is with ISIS and the terrorist attack. And, you know, my heart says, let us unite to come against this enemy. Can we at least unite as a people and come against this enemy that we find in ISIS? Yet in times like this, it is very clear and very palpable the tension that truly exists within the conflict that is happening internally. So as we look at all these things and consider all these things, regardless of what our point of views may be on the matters that we have seen reported at hand, there are seven things that you and I cannot deny, seven things that they, they really are truth. Number one. We have to recognize that a significantly large portion of the black American community in America feels that their lives are threatened, treated as lesser than, and prejudged as criminal without any probable cause. Whether someone sees it a different way, that's not the point. The point is that we cannot invalidate the life's experiences, the historical perspective, and the way that black Americans perceive the news and what is happening today. That is very real to them. We have to recognize that a large portion of black America feel their lives don't have value here. Secondly, we have to recognize that abuse of authority and of the law comes with, comes with great consequences culturally regardless of the outcome in the courtroom. 
Every time someone gets away with police brutality or abuse of authority of some kind or another, uh, abuse of authority without any apparent decisive justice, it will always bring about havoc in our communities. Retaliation is the natural human response to injustice that is felt regardless of the legal outcome in the courtroom. Third, we also have to recognize that instead of overcoming evil with good, some have been conquered by that evil, such the case of this sniper, and have resorted to a violent response. And there are leaders, even within the black community, such as Louis Farrakhan, who apparently approve of this heinous violence. Now, these leaders don't speak or represent the views of the majority of black America, but they speak nonetheless, and they do influence some. Fourth, we have to recognize that it must be incredibly difficult, incredibly tough to be a, a, an officer in today's America. It must be hard to be a policeman in today's America. Whether one is black, white, or Hispanic, it must be hard to, hard to wear that uniform with passion, wanting to serve. It must be hard. It must be tense. It must be difficult to discern environments. Fifth, we have to stop acting we have to stop acting like the racial tension does not exist. We have to stop acting like it's going to disappear someday. Because those kind of statements are hurtful to someone or the other. We have to recognize that even though we don't mean it this way, when we say things like we don't see color... That's not the mind of God. God sees color. He created color, and it was beautiful to him, all of it. Are you with me? And when we say things like we don't see color, we're also saying we refuse to see disparity. And we refuse to see social injustices from the point of view of another. Six, we all have to bring our hearts. <laughs> we all have to recognize that all of us have to bring our hearts before God and get it checked for possible miseducation and inappropriate prejudices that we may hold in regards to other people groups. I'm going to repeat that. We all, black, white, Hispanic, and whatever else, have to come before God to rec and say, God, here is my heart. If there is a filter in my heart about other people groups, it's not of you. God, I'm asking you to take it away and give me the right perspective. We all need that. I am Dominican, and I... I grew up in the Dominican home. My mama, who may be here this coming weekend, I don't look much like my mama. She's really short. She's light-skinned. Sometimes I remember people saying, that's your mama? What? <laughs> and you, wouldn't you believe it? Growing up with Dominicans, I realized that, you know, Dominicans have some racial attitudes. And I grew up understanding that. I could tell what was wrong even at a young age, but I realized, yeah, we definitely have racist points of views, prejudice, wrong, inappropriate prejudices of other people groups. Then I moved to Puerto Rico, and wouldn't you believe it? In Puerto Rico, there are people, too, who have prejudiced points of views. It was crazy to experience that. Then from Puerto Rico, I moved to America, and wouldn't you believe it? I found out that in America, there were white people who had prejudiced points of views towards others because of their skin colors. And I even myself experienced some racism. And so when I gravitated to 
uh, the black culture because it's what called me. It's the music that I loved. And I began to have uh, many black friends. You know what I found out? Wouldn't you believe it? <laughs> there are black people who have racist points of views too. It's crazy to think. And you know, I used to have friends too that were from other cultures, Filipinos and Indians and, and so forth. And wouldn't you believe it? They also have some inappropriate prejudices and some racial issues to deal with. You know, I just came from Israel. And I'm pretty sure somebody cussed me out because they thought I was a Palestinian while I was by the uh, Sea of Ga- Galilee. Wouldn't you believe it? You and I have to accept the reality that we've been given filters, patterns that don't reflect the heart of God. No matter where we're from and what we've experienced, God wants to deal with it. And in order for God to deal with our hearts, we have to intentionally say, God, here is my heart. Is there something wrong in me in regards to the way I see others, perceive others, and understand their actions? Deal with me and give me the mind of Christ. And seven. We need to recognize and admit that we have a very serious crisis. And the worst thing that we can do is to say, well, over time this will pass. Newsflash. It's been many, many years. The crisis is still here. Crisis is still here. Found a teacher. I was talking to a teacher friend of mine. He said, I remember going to these teacher conferences and they were talking about you know diversity and how to prepare for diversity and I was so happy because I thought finally I'm gonna learn how to connect with Hispanic students Latino students and black students and when I sat down they were just talking about homosexuality I thought what and he spoke about the disparity he saw even as a teacher from another perspective listen you and I have to understand that there are issues and we need to come before God with those, these crises. So what is the answer? What is the answer to the very serious problem and offense and crisis that we live in today? What is the answer? What do we do? Well, I believe that God has given us the answer and that the answer is very simple. It may not be easy. It may be difficult. But I believe the answer is very simple. I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ has given us the answer to the racial tension that exists today. I believe that that answer is not found in politics. That answer is not found in government, as we may perceive it, right? That answer is not found in a policy. I believe you are the answer. I love what Brother Ben Church prayed as we begin to pray. He said, Jesus, you are the answer. That's true. And now Jesus lives in you. And because he lives in you, you're his representative. And you are the answer to the racial tension that exists in this country today. I believe that with all my heart. God has called you to show unity. God has called you to show the world what it looks like to honor others more than yourself. God has called you to show the world how to celebrate with those who celebrate and how to mourn with those who mourn. God has called you. God has called you to be a servant leader. If we look at Romans chapter 12, I'll read there. The Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in seal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Can that be said about us, all that? Somebody says, boy, you know, you know, when I see Joe, I see a person who lives, as far as it depends on him, he's living at peace with everyone. Are you a peacemaker? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome by e- do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that last portion says, you will heap coals on his head. What does that mean? Number one, conviction. It's represented the conviction of God falling on someone's life. That's the first thing. That's the first thing we want people to experience. And secondly, it also means that God will take care of the areas where judgment is needed. Let the judgment be, uh, let God, who's perfect in justice, take care of that. Now, let's talk about God's plan of salvation. Let's talk about God's plan for humanity as we read this scripture. Cultures are beautiful. Our differences are beautiful. From our skins to our eyes to our noses to our lips, they're all beautiful because we're made in the image of God. And we reflect who He is. Heaven is not colorless, my friends. In heaven, people, by the way, are not all going to look the same. We're not all going to look the same in heaven. That's not heaven. That's another H word. That's Hitler. Hitler's final solution in heaven looks nothing like that. Here's what the Bible tells us we can expect about the culture of heaven. Revelation 7 says this, after this, I looked. John received the revelation of heaven. He says, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. 
from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's what heaven looks like. Do you know why John was able to tell that there was people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue? Because they had name tags that said India. uh, No, just kidding. (laughs) Because as he looked at the multitude, he can see what God created and what God intended to be. Aurora, you're exactly as God created you and intended you to be. It's a beautiful deal, right? Mr. Jones, God has made you the way that you are. Maria, God has made you and created you. You're beautiful the way that God intended you to be. This is who we are. This is God's intention for us. It is the plan of God. He desires it this way. The colors, the the cultures, the different people groups, not a mistake from God or a curse from God on some and not on others or the effect of sin on some and not on others. Newsflash, we are all under a curse when we're away from Jesus. Are you with me? We are all under the curse of sin when we're away from Jesus. God had a plan for every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And he began to disclose this plan in Genesis chapter 12 as he told Abraham that his desire was to use his seed to draw the nations to him. We also see glimpses of this in Moses as he marries an Ethiopian wife who was judged by Miriam and Aaron. We also see it in Joshua through the prostitute Rahab from Jericho who's brought in to be a part of the very lineage of Jesus Christ. We also see it in the Moabite woman named Ruth. But the biggest disclosure came when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, not just for the sin of some, but but for the sin of all of us. Not only to die for our sins, but to raise us to new life. All of us. Who? Those who put their faith in Jesus. We also see it when Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, 51 through 56, it tells us a story that Jesus is hanging out with the Samaritans. And the Jews hated Samaritans. And when it was time for them to leave, uh, uh, the Samaritans had a discord with the decision Jesus had made. And the the disciples took advantage of that point to let out their full hatred and said, Jesus, you want us to call call down on fire from heaven to consume the Samaritans? That's what they actually said. And Jesus said to them, verse 55, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you're of. Do not know what kind of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Then you see it in Acts chapter 2, when God in Acts chapter 1 says to a bunch of those disciples, Jewish disciples that were there, he says, wait 
for what I'm about to do. Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wait in that upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, they're waiting and a bunch of prejudiced Jews who don't want anything to do with the Gentile world get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing they do is they come out and they speak in the languages of the people that surround them. Isn't that incredible? The first thing that happens after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after they're filled, is that they speak in other languages that say God the praises of God in other languages. Why? Because God was fulfilling his promise to Abraham. I'm drawing every culture, every nation, every tongue to me. Isn't that incredible? And then there's Peter, who's extremely ethnocentric, wants nothing to do with anybody other than Jew. God has to reveal to him a dream three times, right, of this food that comes down in the blanket that's supposed to be unclean to him, but God says, don't call unclean what, I, what I've cleansed. God uses that to t- prepare Peter to go visit a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. And as he's sitting there thinking he's better than them, God allows Peter to witness the glory of God over the Gentiles as they were also baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the look on that old Jew? Right? And then later on, obviously, God is working in the Gentile people, and Peter sees this, and Peter really becomes a lot like the Gentiles. Galatians says that Peter did life like the Gentiles, but then when his old Jewish friends came around, he started to act like he was a Jew and like he didn't live like the Gentiles. Galatians chapter 2, and Paul said, this is the ghetto translation, he said, man, I saw Peter doing that. I was like, bro, I just saw you eat a pork chop. That's not what it says, but you know. You've been living like the Gentiles. Why all of a sudden are you acting like we need to be under the law? And God rebukes Peter. Paul rebukes Peter. Interesting enough, God calls Paul a man who is a, a, a Jew of Jews, right? And he calls him to be the apostle to the Gentile world. And so Paul then writes Romans, and he gives us this incredible description and, and he gives us this heart that he has, which is a heart for all cultures. Paul, if anyone in the New Testament had this other than Jesus, why? Because God called them to be an apostle, an apostle to all the Gentile world. And in doing so, in reading chapter 12, in doing so, within his calling, we see how the church is the answer to the racial tension that we're experiencing today. Why do I believe the church to be the answer to the racial tension that we are experiencing today. Number one, because the church is a living sacrifice unto God. Number one, because the church is supposed to walk as a living sacrifice unto God. Verse one says this again, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. In other words, Paul was saying, as you consider what Jesus has done, what did Jesus do? He died on the cross. For who? For all of us. For the sins of the world. In view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Now, what's the difference between a dead sacrifice and a living sacrifice? A dead sacrifice happens once, and it's gone. But a living sacrifice is a daily deal. And God calls us to every day make the decision to put our passions and our desires and our perspective on the cross if they come against the will of God and choose His will and live sacrificially, right, to honor Him. Why is the church the answer to the racial tension today? Because we know how to live sacrificially. 
And living sacrificially, that means that we know how to love others and how to honor others above ourselves. We know how to treat others with respect. In another portion of Scripture, Matthew 25, in the day of judgment, the Bible says that Jesus, uh, the, the God, will divide the sheep from the goats, those who belong to him and those who do not. And Jesus will say to those who belong to him, who will enter into the kingdom of heaven, he'll say to them, enter into my rest because I was hungry, you fed me, I was, I was naked and you clothed me, I, I needed shelter and you gave me shelter. And the sheep will say, well, when did we see you like this, Lord? He says, every time you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. You see, you and I are the answer to the racial tension today. Because no matter what perspective or what view we have, we know how to honor people and how to love others. No matter. No matter. And we also, we also are the answer to the racial tension because we know how to serve others. The best way you can serve others. You know how that is? Serve others as if you were serving God. We look at black America and we say to black America, we love you and serve you as we serve God. We look at Latino America and we say to Latino America, we love you and serve you as we serve God. We look at white America and we say we love you and we serve you as we serve God. Right? Because as we treat others, we treat God. We look at internationals and migrants and undocumented workers. So we love you. We love you as we love God. Why is the answer to the racial tension that exists today? Because we're called to be a living sacrifice. Secondly, why is the, answer, why is the church the answer to the racial tension that exists today? Because the church is transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because the church is transformed and we don't think or see things the same way anymore. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know the will of God. You and I need to understand something. We've been given a pattern. We've all been given a pattern. We've all been given a filter by which we filter life. And when we come to Jesus, Paul instructs us, you cannot live the life of the kingdom with the same old filters. Those are dirty. Those are nasty. You've got to get rid of them. You've got to be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. That means that we say, God, I give you my old patterns, the way I see people groups, they, the way I see people and perceive the world. And I'm saying, God, change it and give me your heart. Jesus, teach me to see others as you would see them. I throw away that old pattern which is natural and second nature to me and that lives in me and that I've become accustomed to to make judgments. I give you that and I say, God, it's quite possible that I don't have the whole picture. I'm willing to admit that it's quite possible that there's something I'm missing, like all of it. And I say, God, give me your filters. Allow me to see others as you see them. Allow me to love others as you love them. Allow me to step outside of myself so that I can be you to others. I believe the church is the answer to the racial tension that exists today because we are walking with transformed minds. I believe the church is the answer to the racial tension that exists today because the church values the whole body of Christ. Because we value the whole body of Christ. Romans chapter 12 says that we're all one body. We're all one body. Right? And that we need each other. 
Every part, every gift, everything. We need each other. We're one. We're one. And if anyone knows how to value others, it's the church. It's the church. I'm going to tell you what I... I grew up loving different cultures. And I have friends of a multiplicity of uh, different cultures. And I've learned so much from my friends. You know, when I think about it in my mind, I'm just kind of say it this way. Uh, Forgive me. I'm just going to say it the way I've experienced it. But you know what I learned about Dominican people? We know how to celebrate. We can celebrate with the best of them. I mean, we cut the grass and it looks good. Maybe it looks... Let's have a party. Let's invite the world. Turn up the music. We're celebrating. Dominican people know how to celebrate. Uh, we've learned to celebrate. You know what I love? Uh, what I've learned from my black friends? Faithfulness. Mercy and grace. Always feel welcomed at a table. I've learned that. You know what I've learned from, from, from the Mexican-American culture is very different from, from mine? strong family values. I mean, there's like two Mexican families here and there's like 200 of you. (laughs) I bet you everyone, you know, there's a connection. And it's beautiful, the loyalty, the faithfulness. You learn that from Mexican-American families. It's beautiful, ain't it? Uh, you You know, what I've learned from some of my white friends, what I've learned how to be productive, how to work, and have integrity. Something that I learned from Pastor Keith, boy from Texas, good friend of mine. I learned from a friend from Saudi Arabia, Mesfer, that I can be welcomed and, and I can have a true friendship with someone who's a Muslim. I learned from a, a Chinese friend, Jeremy Lin, who owns Ming Moon. That even though we barely understand each other, we can have the same heart. Cultures are beautiful. Cultures are just beautiful. I can't imagine how much we're missing out on because we don't reach out and intentionally reach out to others. We know how to value the whole body of Christ and we benefit value in the whole body of Christ. And I believe that's part of the reason why we're the answer to the racial tension today. I believe we're the answer to the racial tension today because our love is sincere. Our love is sincere. Or it's supposed to be. John 13, 34 through 35, as we bring this to a close almost. The Bible says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So how will people know that we belong to Jesus? By right teaching. By right doctrine. By loving right. By loving one another. There's a bunch of people who have the best teaching in the world and have the worst heart. You with me? Right? I can have the right doctrine and have the wrong heart towards people. Jesus said, they will know that you belong to me by the way that you love one another. Is that reflective in you when you see other people groups? Do you think about it? Do you pray, oh God, give me a heart for others? 
even if it may not be contextual to where you live, you said there's, there's, there's not that many different people, groups. Do you pray about it? Do you pray, ask God to give you a heart, give you the right filter for others? We had a friend that started going to Solid Rock when we were on the south end. He had a little kid about six years old at the time. Boy, just started looking around and he said, Dad, look at all the brown people. I said, yeah. I said, Dad, there's not many brown people where we live. It's like, no, no. Dad, we need more brown friends. <laughs> he was so excited. <laughs> I love what children say. It's just incredible. But do we have a heart that reaches out that way? We have a heart that reaches out that way. Let me just say this. I believe that you're the answer. As you pray for our nation, I believe that God wants to use you to show a picture of reconciliation, of mercy, of compassion, of learning to mourn with those who mourn and celebrate with those who celebrate. And I believe that God wants to use you as a church, the rock, vision-wise, to show the world what it looks like to be a multicultural church that loves each other and fellowships together. And I want to tell you something. If these things aren't true in your heart right now, if you don't have a desire for reconciliation, if you don't have a desire for there to be peace and unity, if you don't have a desire to mourn with those who mourn, I want you to know you may have not encountered the full power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And if it goes further than that and you realize that you have some deep embedded resentments towards other people groups, I want you to know the Bible says that you have a murderous heart. Because hatred, it's like murder before God. If these things are not true in your heart right now, if you're not willing to love and reach out to others, then there is no way the world will ever know that you belong to Him. The question stands, if you belong to Him. For people will know that we belong to Jesus by the love that we have for one another. If these truths are truths that you cannot receive, then you're definitely not going where the rock is going. If you're not willing to see it and experience a multicultural reality with different people, different nations, different tongues, you're not ready to go where the rock is going and where I'm intending to go and where we as a leadership are seeking for the rock. I want the rock to be a reflection of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. I want to have joint services with predominantly black and predominantly white and different culture churches. I want, to have, I want to have international students, and I want them to find a home with us. I want us to begin to have host homes and be welcoming, yes, to kids who are Muslims, yes, to kids who are Buddhists, yes, to kids who are Hindu, so that we can show them the love of Christ and that they can go Christians to their nation. I want a leadership that reflects that we care about a multicultural experience. I want to see that here at The Rock. I want us to have discussions about this and workshops and talk about how can we in Oregon, Ohio, and Toledo area reflect the love of God to a multiplicity of cultures. I want a church that welcomes opposing views politically, understanding that one salvation is not determined on whether they're Republicans or Democrats. I want us to be able to separate church and state when it comes to that. 
I want us to be able to value each other even though we have opposing views. And realize that what we have in common is greater than what we don't. Can you imagine a church like that? I, I, I envision us leading worship in Spanish. I know this may sound crazy to Laura. Chinese. I do. I pray about it. I pray God. I, I mess with my friend all the time. He's like, I want a church plan, a Chinese church. And you know how many Chinese restaurants are around this area? There's like six I can name right away. There's got to be a need for a Chinese church on the east side. Why not? Why not us? Why not us? I, I, can, I, I would love to come into this church, um, and, and when I come in, just hearing different people with different languages, just praising God. I would love to hear that. Can you picture that with me? At one time, I was sitting in an Assembly of God conference for the state of Ohio, and there were a lot of ministers there representing the entire, entire state of Ohio within the Assembly of God. And, and I went in there, and I had all, I've always had this passion for a multicultural church, uh, I always said, God put that in my heart. And, you know, uh, I, I think from, from, from young, he was preparing me to love people from different cultures. And uh, when I went into that conference, I was kind of disheartened because it didn't represent that. I didn't see many cultures. Now I'm beginning to ask myself, God, is it possible? Is it a pipe dream? Is it true that the church will always be what Martin Luther King said it was? The most divided hour in America is Sunday morning. Is that, do I have to just accept that? And as I was thinking that and I was leaving that building, there was a big van, a 16 passenger, passenger that drove by that entrance area. And they looked at me and said, you want to come with us? I'm like, well, it's never a good idea to get in the van with strangers. Um, but um, since this is a church and a conference, I'm going to take my chances. So where are you guys going? To lunch. Where are you guys going? Where are you going to eat lunch? We don't know. Boy, if I wasn't saved, I'd go the opposite direction. <laughs> this is scary. And I get in that van, and we head to somewhere to eat lunch. And I look around, and I hear, I notice there's somebody there who's from Nigeria. And I hear that there's somebody there. Uh, uh, I see white people. I see black people from America. I see Hispanic people there in that bus. So I figured there's one crazy guy who's picking up all kinds of crazy people to go have lunch. And I say to them, so what churches do you guys belong to? He goes, oh, no, we just go to one church. You go to one church? Yeah, People's Church in Cincinnati. It's like, well, how did you guys get to be so multicultural? He said, we believe the Bible says every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, and we made it our mission statement. We made it our mission statement. We want our church to reflect that every Sunday. And then the Lord began to speak to me, and, and this is where, you've heard me say this, but this is where that happened, when the Lord, the Lord said, why are you so concerned about being like your community instead of changing your community like I called you to? And that's why we have a new vision statement, real people from all walks of life advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we want to go. I hope that you're on the bus. Would you stand with me? Amen. 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 Would you help me with this pulpit? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe that if the church gets this right,
we would stop looking for a policy. We would stop looking for a law to change everything because we would realize that greater is he that lives in us than him that lives in the world. Would you say to God, if it's your heart, use me, God. I want to be an example of forgiveness and reconciliation, of unity, of making amends. I want to be an example. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Your heart breaks for America and the division that exists today. Would you say, God, have mercy? Have mercy. Have mercy. Lord, right now I want to take the time to pray for Philando, Philando's family. And those officers that lost their lives. Lord, I pray, have mercy. Bring healing, bring comfort. And they're representative of an issue that we deal with in America. We're asking, raise your church to live, breathe, and speak mercy, love, forgiveness, reconciliation, and unity. In the mighty name of Jesus. But you all come to the altar right now. Everybody just make your way to the altar. take the time right now first to pray and mourn with those who mourn. And I know that this may be uncomfortable, but it's the beginning of having the heart of God. I want to pray for the African-American church and the African-American population in America. Just begin to pray for healing, that God will raise up the, the right leaders to speak mercy and peace and righteousness. And, and we want to pray. We want to pray for the love of God, the covering of God from injustice. We want to pray that, for prosperity. We want to pray for the church. Amen. Would you just lift up your voice right now and pray? Oh, God. Oh, God. Right now. Oh, yes. We mourn with our brothers and sisters who mourn. God, the young people who just feel their lives threatened, God. Do not let them be overcome by evil, but let them overcome evil with good, Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus, they matter, God, they do. Oh, surround them, oh God, with mercy and grace. Surround them now with mercy and grace with your presence, Lord. Oh, bring about the right leaders, God, in Jesus' name. Oh, God, thank you for your favor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Now, right now, let's pray for police all across this nation. Let's pray for the police, all those good officers that have to wear the uniform and serve. They feel threatened right now. Would you just pray for them right now, for God's protection, His mercy, His favor over them, Lord, and Jesus? Yes, God. We pray, God, for our officers, God. So many good ones, so many good ones, so many good ones, so many good ones. So much more, God. So much more, God, that are looking for an opportunity to show, but the news won't show it, the media won't show it, but you see it, oh God. So many good officers, God. Protect them, Lord God. Protect them, Father, we pray. Protect Oregon Police Department, Lord God. Protect Toledo Police Department, God. Lord, bring, bring, bring out the good ones, God. Let them be seen. And God, the injustice, the injustice and in authority, God, it's supposed to, God, it's supposed to, God. And deal with it, Lord God, deal with it. Yes, God. Hallelujah. I want you to do something. If you feel free to do so, if this doesn't make you extremely uncomfortable, just, just grab hands with your brother and sister that's next to you. Hallelujah. Begin to pray, Jesus, give a vision of heaven to your church, a true vision of heaven. Every nation, every tribe, and every tongue declaring around the Lamb, declaring salvation belongs to our God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you would make us united here at the rock. Oh, God, that you would make us united here at the rock. That you would teach us to walk John 13, 34 to 35. That, God, that we would love one another. And, God, that the way that we love one another would be so amazing, God, that it would draw people to you, God. That it would be evident that we belong to you. God, we pray for the rock, Jesus. And we thank you, God, for giving us a vision for every nation, every tongue, everyone, God. I thank you, God, for growing us. I thank you for teaching us to walk reconciliation, forgiveness, compassion, mercy, and truth, Lord. We thank you, God. We bless you, and we declare victory over the rock. We declare victory over Oregon. We declare victory over Toledo area. We declare victory over America. Your church will walk in love and unity. Your church will walk in love and unity. We declare it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's bless God this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. God bless you. God empower you. Be ambassadors of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Be ambassadors of reconciliation around the world. Greater is he that is in you than him that lives in the world. May the radiance of Christ come through you for his glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.